the football game turned into something that was tremendous in the second half. I know I heard you guys talking about the first half and it wasn't all that great. I have to tell you, that San Francisco defense yeah. was flying around. I mean, they were flying around. And Chase Young in the first half was trying to prove that he could still play football. They got the message. I can yeah. tell you this. Whatever message that was sent to them, they got it, at least for about three quarters. You know, towards the end of the game, they start playing soft zone, and Patrick Mahomes is just picking them apart. And on that last drive to end up winning the game in overtime, he was 8 for 8. 8 for 8, ran for a couple yeah. of first downs, and well, it was just completely the brilliance of the way that he plays quarterback Right now, I, there's, I guess, to me, Joe Burrow would be the closest one to him and then Josh Allen. But uh, you could see how he just completely took over the game at the end of the game, reading blitzes, getting rid of the football out of his yeah. hands, being accurate, stepping up in the pocket, knowing how far he had to go, getting down, taking hits. I mean, he was amazing in the second half. Yeah, a couple of things about that last drive. One, those two runs were just him putting the team on his back. One was on fourth down, and the other one was for, what, 16 yards? That on was third just, and one. Yeah, on third and one, which was critical. And then also, you know, Steve Wilkes made a, a critical error. He, he sent everybody on a third down to go and get Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he did straight up cover zero, go get him, and that's just, he got flustered and so, frustrated. I know, but here's the thing. Steve Spagnuolo is doing the same thing. Now, it's going after Brock Purdy, who, by the way, <laughs> played totally pretty well. Different, I know it's totally different, but sooner or later, it's like you got to pick your poison. Yeah. And um, I think Steve Wilkes just wanted to get after him, see if they could hit him. Oof. I think it was, are you talking about the one where he hits Jarek McKinnon out of the backfield? Yes. Yeah. I mean, and that, and Jarek McKinnon did a pretty good job, like almost making the guy that was blitzing off the end, thinking he was going to block him. Yeah. And it's within the offense that Patrick knows he's got to probably retreat and throw it over this guy. Yeah. It would have been interesting had that... I, I don't remember which which guy was blitzing at that particular time, but if that guy had peeled off with McKinnon, what would have happened on the play? Yeah, but I mean, from, the, in, in, from a layman's standpoint, you send people at the best quarterback in the league, and he just calmly looked down the field, found the guy... And was another backbreaker. I mean, he just you. Now I don't know what the answer is. Like, what, what's the answer? If you if if you don't send everybody, then he sits back and, and picks you apart. Probably if you send everybody, then he just quickly gets rid of the ball. So I, I mean, I could sit here and say that the 49ers made a mistake, but just Patrick Bones is just too good at this point. And this is the stuff we were saying on Friday in picking the game that there there were three factors that I think that that the the Chiefs had a major advantage. And it was defensive coordinator, championship experience, head coach, championship experience, and the unquestioned, unquestioned, undisputed best player in the league. And he'll find a way. As good as the Niners were, he found a way. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to really put in the words the way that he plays quarterback, but it's just, it's amazing. There's, he doesn't get flustered, and even in bad games, but, you know, his season this year was not a spectacular season by his standards, by any stretch of the imagination. Remember, we were talking about how they couldn't find any wide receivers early yeah. in the season. They had to run the ball, and it was all about defense. And still, this defense, by the way, only gave up 22 total points in four playoff games in the second half. Think about that for a second. Yeah. I mean, they were they were that damn—they were that— 
They were that damn good. Do you have any Kyle Shanahan yes. sound as to why he deferred there? Uh, defer, why he took the ball? Defer. Yes, here is Shanahan on the decision to take the ball in overtime. Uh, this is something we talked about with, you know, that none of us have a ton of experience of it, but we went through all the analytics and talked with those guys, and we just thought it'd be better. We wanted the ball third. Um, if both teams matched and scored, we wanted to be the ones who had the chance to go win, and um, we got that field goal, so we knew we had to hold them to at least a field goal, and if, if we did, then we thought it was in our hands after that. See, that's the analytic part of it. Mm -hmm. But the problem is you got to take into account who the quarterback is on the other side. And any anywhere outside of field goal range on fourth down, they're going to go for it. Yeah, I mean, that's the advantage like for they did. City. Like they did on that fourth and one. And that's a lot of assuming where he goes, we want the ball third if both of us go down and score. I mean, that's just a lot of looking into the future. They have the fact that, you know, you stop them and then you go win the game after that. I know, but at least he gave an, a legitimate answer this wasn't yeah. something that he was searching for it was something that you know they did discuss nobody has ever had this situation before in the nfl so at least he reasonably discussed it with his analytics guys these analytics guys they're getting away all the time man kevin harlan on westwood one and a fan has come out on the field and running and is hit the ball was caught and the gain was to the 39 and they have stopped play with security all over the interlopers. <laughs> and we have stopped play. Two were on the field. 5-19, third quarter. Those are the streakers he's giving you all the time. The guy is drunk! <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, they obviously stopped the game briefly. They did not show up. Lord, now they're cuffing him. But pull up his drawers, whatever you do. <laughs> I, 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 I got to tell you, Kevin hates those people. Well, he describes I mean, it he, very well, though. I, he does, but I you don't really ever hear any other announcer describe it the way he does with such disgust in his voice. <laughs> You're right. You know? That is very true. Well, he, it's, he, it's, he, I he, hope it was worth it, my friend, because you've got a night in the clink coming up. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, then there's Romo. You talk about what he was doing while he was uh, announcing the game. Here was his Hulk Hogan impersonation, I suppose. I'm like, wow, Hulkster. Here's All his Hulkamaniacs are excited right now as he takes down James. Wow, that was a hit. You could hear it from up here. <laughs> yes, you could. And then this is subtle, but he sings his way to break at one point. Well, we're halfway through the second quarter. All we have on the board is a field goal. Take it to the commercial there, Mr. Romo. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's having a good time, we're going to tell you. <laughs> he was having a good time. A lot of questions about the Kelsey bump along the sideline in the first half when things weren't going well. Here was Reed on that. He caught me off balance. I wasn't watching. He, cheap shot, but that's all right. He did good. Um, he was really coming over just to go, just put me in, I'll score, I'll score. You know, so that's really what it was. Well, I love that. I mean, it's not the first time. So, I listen, I appreciate him. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I that's the that's the most aggressive I've ever seen a player bump into a coach and yell in his face. Well, Taylor was in the house, man. He didn't really get to touch the ball up to that point. Yeah, I know. There was one point he had, he had one catch for five yards, whatever it was. But, I mean, I understand that these guys have a very cr close relationship and they love one another and stuff like that happens. But with that being said, that's still the most aggressive 
player to coach interaction I've seen in the NFL. You know, they were talking about the night before and how the leaders uh, and Travis being one of them all um, talk to the team. You know, he runs a lot in front of the cameras. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. He, if you look, he, he'll wait till the graphic is up and then he sprints by. No, he's a smart guy. Yeah. Yep. Um, but anyway, so Travis gave this impassioned speech the night before that everybody was talking about after the game or even before the game for that matter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, whatever. But uh, they had three I, I points just, at halftime. I know, I know, I know. But I, I would just say, like, that, that just didn't look good on the sideline. Yeah. And I know he was frustrated. Everybody gets frustrated. I think A.J. Brown tweeted, said, if that were me on my sideline, I'd be kicked out of the NFL. He's probably not wrong. That's a little extreme, but we'd be killing him today. He's probably true. Yeah, I didn't think it was, you know, look, it just had a bad look. You know, Andy's 60, like I saw 65 years old. He's not in great shape. And it looked, I mean, could you imagine if he would have fallen down? Oh, gosh. It was close. I mean, in the way that he was yelling in his face, I think even looked worse than the bump. Like, he was really screaming at him. But... I I know that those I there's no issue between those two guys and we know that, um, but that was just it was I just get, over the top. 